Hey, thoughtful listener, before we get going, did you know that my company, upmyinfluence.com, has launched more than 200 business podcasts? The hosts of our shows are amazing leaders and collaborators, folks I want to connect you with. Maybe you deserve your moment in the spotlight as a guest of one of these amazing shows. Just go to upmyinfluence.com where you can see more than 50 shows that are actively seeking business leader guests like you to celebrate right now in front of their high caliber audiences. Just click on the podcast tab at upmyinfluence.com where you'll see shows like the Optics in Action podcast hosted by the visionary Ryan Weiss, president of EPS. This daily podcast is a treasure trove of insights for anyone in the manufacturing and construction world. Are you a business leader or innovator in these industries? Then Optics in Action is your go-to source for stories that inspire and strategies that really work. Ryan and his guests dive deep into the journeys of successful founders, uncovering the secrets to scaling up in today's fast-paced business environment. But that's not all. If you are at the helm of a thriving company, Optics in Action is actively seeking guests like you in those industries, leaders who are shaping the future of manufacturing and construction. Share your story, your challenges, and your triumphs with a senior leadership level audience who are eager to learn from your experience. Don't miss this chance to be a part of a community of visionaries. Visit upmyinfluence.com, click on the podcast tab, and look for Optics in Action. Whether you're tuning in as a listener or stepping up as a guest, join us in driving the conversation forward in the world of manufacturing and construction. Your voice matters, and we can't wait to amplify it. With us right now, Michael Levine. Michael, you're the president of Car Data. You're found on the web at cardata.co. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Give us an overview of what Car Data is. Yeah, good question. So, Car Data is a B2B SaaS platform. We help companies with uh, drivers on the road that use their personal vehicle. So, think about a customer, a company that you know, their drivers are on the road all day, they're road warriors. Um, it's too difficult to give them fleet cars just because they're, they're not available and they're very expensive. So we've got a mileage tracking app and a reimbursement platform that helps fairly compensate these drivers for the use of their personal car. The easiest way to conceptualize us, I like to say, is we're a payroll company for mileage reimbursement um, that follows sort of local tax law in both the United States and Canada. Help me through the kind of the logic chain of like, when does it make sense for the company to purchase a vehicle for an employee versus when does it make sense for them to just use their POV? I would argue it never makes sense to pers- to buy them a vehicle. <laughs> I think if you, it's very old fashioned and there's a lot of um, like, you know, whether it's shortages or, you know, I, I think you and I both agree, you're not going to take care of a car that's not yours as much as your own car. So there's a lot of, costs associated with just maintenance and wear and tear that you wouldn't have otherwise. You know, similarly, the amount of idle time when you have to terminate an employee or an employee leaves, like the amount of cost that's wasted in just moving that car to a new person, it's pretty astronomical, right? So I would argue there's really no benefit. I, I think a lot of companies like control over what their employees are driving. And if that is the case, you know, maybe you're a med device company and you want your, your sales reps going to, you know, 
doctor's offices in a nice car. Like, like if you want some control over that, I think it makes sense. And maybe your buying power is so high that the, the deals are insane, but I don't think that really happens anymore. So really, if you're cost conscious and you want to be nimble, I think the reimbursement model makes a lot more sense. What is the advantage for the employee? Um, choice. I mean, they get to drive their own car. They get to build equity in their own car. Um, and they get to choose what they drive. A lot of, you know, we, we've got a lot of companies that come off fleet and, you know, maybe it's like a big, you know, big sedan. It doesn't really fit their lifestyle. They want to drive a minivan because they have kids or, you know, a small crossover. So we're, we're helping them pay for that car and, and they're using it for work. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of people that like a fleet car from an employee perspective more often than not. They're like, yeah, this is a great benefit, you know, but it, it becomes a little difficult to tax from the employee perspective or the employer perspective. So, you know, there's a mixed bag. I'd say there's a spectrum of employees that just say, look, I want to bring my own and I want to get paid to bring my own. And there's a lot that like being given a car because it's just like a benefit they're given out of school and they're like, whoa, this is cool. Right. So there's a bit of both, I'd say. Yeah. Um, okay. So why, I mean, just given what else might exist in the marketplace or without car data, how would this normally operate within a company? Yeah, good, really good question. You're usually paying what's called like a flat taxable car allowance. That's like very common. So like, let's say you're going to give someone $500 a month to use their car. The problem is most of that or a lot of that goes to tax waste because there's no business mileage to substantiate the payment. It all gets taxed. So really what we can do, right, is we can go to these companies and say, hey, rather than paying them, you know, $500 after tax, right, or $500 taxable, why don't you pay them $500 non-taxable, or why don't you pay them 400 taxable or non-taxable? And, and, you know, you guys have just saved hundred dollars per, per payment. And you're probably in the same position the drivers in the same position. Right. So I think there, there are just very tax inefficient ways to do this. Um, and also it doesn't, how do you balance someone who drives 20,000 miles a year to someone who drives 5,000 miles? You can't have a lot of different, it's too cumbersome to have like yeah. 50 different allowance tiers. So we actually break it down into a, both a fixed and a variable component to adjust for the the, dri- the miles driven. And then I would say that the other way is, that, you know, the IRS publishes a rate every year. It's like, it's, it's about 67 cents for 2024, but that's an astronomical reimbursement rate. If you drive 30,000, you know, 40,000 miles, which some people do, you can, you can buy a new car every year with your reimbursement. Like, I don't, I think we both agree that's like not really what the intent of it should be, right? We shouldn't be buying you a new car every year. So I think there's a lot of, um, it's just very hard to standardize for the amount of miles driven. And also how do you compensate people differently in different geographies, right? Our our reimbursement rate does that. It looks at local fuel costs. It looks at local oh, wow. insurance costs. So it is location specific and it helps like, think about large companies with drivers everywhere. It helps to sort of normalize it and standardize it under one program. Yeah. So what would be some examples of companies that, that use car data? So, you know, we've got a relationship with, I don't want to give up too much proprietary information, but sure. there's a, there's a couple of industries or whatever. Be, yeah. So food and beverages are really good mm-hmm. sort of opportunity for us. A lot of drivers on the road, we've got some pharmaceutical companies, some medical device companies. Uh, we're fairly highly indexed in like construction. So like building materials, home builders, things like that. I would say, in, you know, industry-wise, like we're fairly agnostic. I think if you have drivers on the road that drive, like, let's say more than 10,000 miles a year, like you're a good fit for our platform. Yeah. So Cardat, I want to say congratulations. Um, you just had a really significant funding round. So congratulations mm-hmm. on that. Thank you. What, Thank is you. The, uh, what does the investment world realize about Cardata in terms of uh, growth opportunity? 
Yeah, I think it's um, it's a nice sort of reaffirmation that I mean, one, we're we're doing great things for our customers and our employees, right? So it's nice to get that positive reaffirmation from the market that you know we're doing something right. I would say you know what it looks like for us is you know significant investment in our product, make it better, make it more valuable to our customers, maybe add on more services that help them sort of run their their reimbursement programs, um, and, and you know I think just increasing our brand at the end of the day. We're, despite our success, we're, we're still a relatively unknown brand in the market, right? So, and I think a lot of small B2B SaaS companies have the same issue. There's usually a player in the space that's massive and everyone knows, and then there's usually a small, couple of small players, but they've got to be really scrappy in how they build the brand because they're, you know, they're never going to have, never not going to, they're never going to have as much money. So I think really our investment is going to go towards making our product much better and, um, and really just trying to build our brand. Yeah. How have you grown historically or, you know, in terms of clients that, that you have or, that, you know, that use Cardata right now, how does that relationship usually start? Is it 100% inbound at this point? Do you go out in the world and on the biz dev side? Yeah, so we've really grown our business just through net new customer acquisitions. We haven't really gone through the motion of trying to sell them more stuff that we sell. I think we've got a fairly simple offering that it's it hasn't been generated through uh, new sales, but it's been a lot of like full core press on growing and adding new customers. So that's really been it. Just, you know, market coverage and, and adding new deals. We've been fortunate enough to win some large enterprise deals, which has helped move the needle a lot for us. Um, and that's really the plan going forward. Yeah. And then in terms of like how it works for uh, a company, is it how does onboarding work? How does, I guess, the uh, kind of the cost or, you know, in terms of uh, how someone could implement this and how easy it would be? I don't know if, you know, one concern from a customer might be, oh, my sales, they're going to hate this because we, you yeah. know, historically, we've just been, you know, just paying them some kind of flat car allowance. And now we're going to ask them to, you know, all this variable and tracking and all this other stuff. Can you share maybe a bit about that kind of that onboarding process? Yeah. yeah. Change management is kind of the enemy of this industry. I think people understand this makes a lot of sense. Like there's like really no looking at the ROI and quite, it just makes complete sense that if you're purely looking at this from a financial lens, it makes no sense to, to not do something like this. Right? right. It's just so obvious, but but yes, everything you said are, are real challenges of like, okay, like how do we make sure? Because you also want to make sure everyone's equally, you know, in the same place, right? Like a lot of these programs kind of run themselves internally for a long time and, and we get sort of to the finish line and we find out, you know, John Smith out in Arkansas is somehow making like three grand a month in reimbursements and like you got to kind of right size that, right? So so I think there's a little bit of that of like, okay, everyone's rate is changing in a way, which is complicated. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you get a lot of people that have, you know, either, you know, been literally recording their mileage and putting it in a system. And I think it's a natural instinct to round up, right? Um, especially when it comes to mileage. And now they have to go to an app that tracks you, right? So change management is 100% the hardest thing we sell against. Um, like no decision is what we usually lose to of like, look, I like it. It makes sense. I just, I, I'm just not going to make a change right now. And, you know, for someone that's been listening to our conversation, maybe they're doing some searching about Cardata and they stumbled upon this podcast episode. How does the demo process usually work? Or, you know, if they're in that consideration stage, like what does that usually look like? Yeah, there's a few things, right? Our product's a little more complicated than just like, here's a software, like, you know, go play with it. It's it, it, That's not really, that doesn't do it justice. I think there's a lot. There's 
we help you design a policy. This is what a vehicle policy could look like. This is when you have to get your insurance to car data, right? There's a little bit more to it. Um, there's also a purely an app trial. A lot of customers want to try our app, which is, which makes a lot of sense. And then we'll do a bit of a demo of like, okay, what does the system look like? What does the reporting look like? Things like that, right? So the it's a bit more immersive than just like, hey, like here's a trial, freemium trial account, go do it. So we have to walk them through how the system works. We have to walk them through, you know, how the policy design works. Similarly, I think an, an important element is like actually like running rates of like, hey, give me your participant list. Okay, here's what a payment would look like. Here's what the cost would look. So doing a bit of the ROI analysis often becomes a, a huge part of the sale process is just like, okay, how much money am I going to save? Are my employees going to get taken care of in the process? So that's a, a sort of a, a hidden element of our sales process that is quite complicated that, that takes, takes quite a bit of time. Yeah. For someone, again, who's maybe not in this world, um, I'm just curious about, you know, who are, or kind of opportunity in the marketplace, right? I'm just trying to visualize, you know, who would be like the biggest consumers of a, you know, or maybe just generally industry-wise. I guess I don't really have a, a feel for just how big these these employees who are, are driving vehicles, just how big of a uh, force that that can be. Yeah, look, I think any of your public, you know, food and beverage beer companies, any of your public pharma companies, med device, they, a lot of them are are customers of ours or customers of our competitors. I think there's a there are some very large enterprises using solutions like this over fleet, and that's that's fairly common. So again, like any, I would just think about any customer, regardless of size. Obviously, like the small small customers, the the dollar value may not make sense because if, if you're saving like thousands of dollars versus millions of dollars, it's a big difference. Um, yeah. But really anyone with drivers on the road is, is a good fit for us. It, it's very simple, but yeah, like a lot of public companies, a lot of fortune 100 companies are, are on a reimbursement solution like ours. From a user standpoint, what is the driver having to do? Really just a few things. They're tracking their mileage through our system. They're sort of like letting us know of any, changes to their uh, their car, which plays into whether they're taxed or not. And they're typically submitting insurance to us like once every, once a year or once every six months, depending on the expiration dates of their policies. So to, to stay in good standing in our program, you just have to make sure your car is current with us. And there are some rules around whether it's taxed um, and submitting insurance to us and submitting mileage once a month. It's not a huge lift. Yeah. Is there, I don't know of existing or, or old ways of doing this, you know, I, I, if this is a concern, right? Uh, like, yeah, I think they're fudging the numbers a little bit. Uh, do we have the opportunity to maybe get a little bit more accurate <laughs> with what's yeah. happening? Yeah, I, I think with the tracking app, it certainly sort of negates some of that, like, you know, I'm just going to put in a thousand miles and we don't know what it means. Like, so it's certainly a natural element of the tracking app is that it, it is more accurate and, and, less fraudulent in a way, right? Because I think a lot of companies are just like, maybe it's through a concur or like an expense solution where, you know, you're just submitting X miles without much substantiation, right? And, you know, how do you, I think as soon as you are going to sort of reject or not pay someone for their mileage, the onus is sort of on you to prove whether, you know, it's actually fraudulent, right? So you, there is some risk in just denying a blanket payment, right? Because if they come back and show you it's real, you know, it's real and you should pay it. Right. So it's a bit of a gray area. Right. So I think doing it through an app is a little more like simple. Mm. Michael Levine, uh, again, the website cardata.co, 
who should be reaching out and what should they be doing? Yeah, good question. Really good question. Anyone who is like a decision maker at a fairly large enterprise, um, whether it's in finance, tax, HR, or like any sort of like benefits and compensation, who is, you know, having trouble managing a car program internally, whether fleet or a reimbursement model, who just like wants to, to offload a lot of that responsibility to us. Like we are the ones talking to drivers. We are the ones helping drivers. We're the ones paying drivers. So anyone who feels they don't have great internal fleet management, like should reach out because we, we offload a lot or sorry, we take on a lot of that responsibility for you working with drivers, explaining why they're taxed. You know, that's really a lot of what we do. Like we're almost service first, technology second in a way. Like we are certainly a technology company, but I think we like to solve problems for our customers with technology and not the other way around. Um, so I, I think that's um, really just anyone who's looking to, to simplify and, and streamline their, their, their vehicle operations. Yeah. Again, website cardata.co and uh, right on there, you could book a demo. So to our friend that's listening or podcast app, just click on the show notes. There's a direct link. Otherwise, the website cardata.co. Michael Levine, President, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Such a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. If you're a listener, I'd love to shout out your business to our whole audience for free. You can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or join our listener Facebook group. Just search for The Thoughtful Entrepreneur in Facebook. I'd love even if you just stopped by to say hi. I'd love to meet you. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. We love our community who listens and shares our program every day. Together, we are empowering one another as thoughtful entrepreneurs. Hit subscribe so that tomorrow morning, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. I promise to bring positivity and inspiration to you for around 15 minutes each day. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.